0: You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. This is the Live Free Now podcast, and also we're broadcasting to Sayer G's Green Med Info. Super excited to be having this conversation today uh, with Sayer G of Green Med Info. Really big fan of your work and really the energy and the mindset, not just mindset, but that heart energy that you bring to the table, which I think is missing in a lot of different folks. A lot of folks get you know, the substance, but they just it just turns into some kind of uh, angry energy. And I think you guys just really got that flow going. So I'm excited. We're going to have a conversation. It's not an interview. We're just going to let it flow. We'd love to hear your comments and feedback uh, if you're watching live. So how are you, Sayer?
1: Doing great, John, and I actually reached out to you because I saw one of your presentations uh, with the greater reset and it was I was like, who is this amazing person connecting all these dots and it was the same thing you're able to address the dark realities, if you will, but then also stay really grounded in this sense of uh, levity, heart, heart centeredness and then you know just really like diamond uh, orientation to the truth so that to me I was like okay I want to know who he is and I want to share you with my followers so you know I'm really excited to have this conversation with you
0: yeah igualmente likewise for sure (laughs) Um, so, yeah, this is going to be on the LibFreeNow Free Now podcast. We got it on the Live Free Now channels. I just shared it to the, the Great Reset channels, the Greater Reset, I should say. You got the Green Med Info. Maybe we can just start by introducing ourselves to our respective audiences. So who is Sayer G? How would you get into this crazy world? And then tell us about GreenMed Info.
1: Okay. Wow. Deep question. Who's Sayer G? Well,
0: <laughs> that is of- the
1: question part of the samsaric uh, meat grinder of life right now, you know, with like a limb sticking in the gears. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I, just me and I, years ago, you know, around 2008 decided to put together a database supporting natural, you know, health advocacy. Um, a good portion of it was dedicated to raising awareness about the unintended adverse effects of pharmaceutical interventions like vaccines. Which is one reason why I've been practically deplatformed off the internet um, because that's so controversial right now. It's just, you know, speaking to just very basic facts can get you in big trouble. So, but I'm happy to be here with you, man. And uh, you guys have been transforming so much of this dark energy into positive solutions. And that's what I'm working on myself. So, so that's me. Yeah, that's really
0: what it's all about. Yeah. And so I'm, I've been an activist for like 20 years now, and it started off with that angry fear. Uh, I was a big Alex Jones fan early on in the day. He was a lot cooler back in the day, really focused on conspiracies and police state. And then he just got all divisive and all. I mean, it was divisive the whole time, but now it's a different a different flow. But I was in that headspace like I thought I was better than everyone because I was, quote unquote, awake but really I hadn't even begun to breach levels of true wake, you know, awakening. Right. I thought I knew it all and I was like angry and I would walk to my college campus, listening to Jones, just all freaked out and pissed off at the new world order. Mm. You know, and then my activism shifted towards more towards creation. And I did some political activism for a while and we had some minor victories, but we were still within that same political paradigm. And really we weren't, we weren't creating more freedom and harmony we were just slowing the growth of tyranny and that's when i started engaging in alternative institutions and growing your own food and building community and cryptocurrency and it really just changes the you know the feeling and the emotions that you have do you ever notice that there's folks that they're focused on the problem. They're not out there building and in the community and getting their hands and their feet grounded in the in the earth soil. And they just stay in that space. Do you notice that compared to folks that are actually creating and doing that's like an outlet?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a daily struggle, if you will, because even before this interview, I made sure to go outside and get some sun and just recenter. Cause you know, the internet and what this amazing device is able to allow us to do is is such a you know duplicitous realm you know it's very dark as well sucking our energy capturing our data and our soul energy so so for me yeah i often see that i see some of my colleagues that are so fixated on the monster they they sort of start foaming at the mouth you know for me too with alex jones when i first saw bohemian grove i was like this is incredible so what a validating point for him and then how he became who he is today you know, it's it's challenging to watch. I mean, really, I mean, there's a lot of truth there and there's a lot of fear mongering and divisiveness. And that's exactly why, again, I resonate with what you and Derek have been focusing on with this greater reset. Yeah. So.
0: The Bohemian Grove is a great thing that you brought up because you know, all this like the Q craziness and that was such a wild phenomenon. And, you know, at the end of the day, it brought a lot of people to question the, you know, the current status quo reality. But there was some underpinning truths, like you brought up up Bohemian Grove, like there's some creepy satanic stuff out there uh, with many world leaders. And to deny that, something you were telling me the other day, and I want to talk about this vaccine stuff for sure. But you were saying like, we can't discount the, you know, the negative evil spirit out there. But at the same time, we have to present ourselves in a way and and focus on the alternative and and the light. Can you riff on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think for me, and even for Kelly, I think I can speak with her at this point. Um, I think we've identified that this agenda literally feeds off of fear and anger and all those emotions, which when you're trying to heal trauma as an individual group, you do have to traverse those realms. And it's a very healing experience to identify, feel, let go, transform. But I think that in this case, You know, even like something I can say I contributed to, um, which is I'm not saying that's a good thing. Identifying the plausible biological mechanism through which the unvaccinated um, are adversely affected by the vaccinated right through mRNA shedding, if you will. And that's an example of where now people are freaking out. They're like, wait, you got vaccinated. Stay away from me. And then it's like you have this inverted eugenics bio uh, apartheid segregation world on both ends. And I, that's my point is it's to energize the dialectic of division. That's what this whole agenda feeds on. And, uh, you know, that's a very generic statement and there's, you know, there's more nuance there, but I, I guess my point is, is that yes, um, you know, we have to be mindful that we are being captured often, even as the good people, right? Shedding light on the dark horrors of Pfizer or whatever it is that we're actually participating in the same energy.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people fail to recognize that, unfortunately, and they're just it's just so consuming all this crazy stuff going on that oftentimes it's a struggle to come back into your own, you know, your own rootedness or groundedness. You just get pulled this way or that and you hear some horrifying story or some research. And I know even some of the pharma Some of the pharma companies had it in their studies talking about, I forget what they called it. You referenced it in your thing, but they had a term. They didn't call it shedding, but it was like something else.
1: They were just accounting for a variable, which was that there might be some type of exposure through inhalation or skin contact between someone who was vaccinated and a study participant. And the implication was that they were aware that there might be as as of yet unknown factor that's being transmitted and could affect the study results. And that, that was an interesting thing about the Pfizer study protocol.
0: Yeah, I noticed within the Freedom Cell Network, so everyone already knew that there was this paradigm where folks that are really concerned about COVID-19 wanted to avoid the guys that aren't wearing masks and that are more laissez-faire, right? And then all of a sudden, with these stories and reports and evidence coming out, I started hearing from within the freedom cell network. I heard on one side, people were like, is there any way that we can screen people to make sure that no one in our group has taken the vaccine? And then I was also getting contacted by someone that said, I'm being shamed and ridiculed in my freedom cell group because I took the vaccine as is in a condition as my, for my employment with a, uh, as a dentist in a dental office. And I'm like seeing both sides here. And I had to do some audio messages. And at the same time, I saw your video when you were like, everybody, let's take a step back here. Let's not play into that, that division. Do you have any tips or advice on how you can kind of stay conscious and not allow yourself to get pulled into that, that trap?
1: Yeah. It's, I think pretty simple in a way, because you know, I'm, I guess sometimes I use the term reparenting. It's like, My generation i'm 48 going on 49 i can't believe it you look Uh, good
0: young and healthy uh,
1: thank you working on it that's for sure um but you know it's about identifying that inner traumatized child and or infant that was never truly held in the way that it could individuate and grow and that's identifying feelings and i think men actually are more handicapped than women generally speaking because we're not really necessarily allowed to hold certain states like weeping you know like come on like men are expected to suppress certain emotions at least with their peers and so for me when i feel that like anxiety i feel that like angst or whatever it is i'm like okay i need to take i need to back up and work on whatever this is because it's ultimately not contributing to making me more effective you know and that's sort of like zen wavelength um it doesn't actually make you more effective to be in that state but so, anyway, so and my point is this is that trauma has been so deeply installed in us. I mean, previous generations, for example, with wars all the way to Rockefeller based uh, you know, education to the conventional allopathic medical system, talk about you know uh, Alex Jones and Luciferian uh, rituals. I mean, like, look at circumcision. I mean, it's absurd when you really look at the lack of medical basis for this ritual. And, and I, right? I experienced that when I was an infant. No anesthetic. We know the brains light up of infants who undergo that procedure. It's and they even st- they even arouse the infant's penis to do the ritual. I mean, it's so sick. This is just conventional medicine taking no responsibility for the trauma. So my point is, is that we have these traumas in us and. They're cap- they're used. Actually, neo-libs are probably the worst in the sense that they're totally captured. They are so fearful and they, and and they're it's turned into media, it's turned into anger by the media, this righteous anger. But the reality is that they're just traumatized and we all need to work on that together.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I always try to have compassion in this current paradigm with the COVID stuff. All this stuff that we're talking about was already there and coming about, and people were aware, and it was. It was, uh, you know, coming at certain frequencies and uh, intensity, right? And then COVID happened and it's like, holy shit, this is crazy. And now we have this this crazy paradigm in this division. But I try to have compassion for folks that are really, really freaked out and afraid. And the mask wearers and like the double mask and stuff. Because I don't watch television news at all. I don't have TV, cable TV, but occasionally I'll be on YouTube and I'll watch, you know, the COVID-19 news or in my car, I do radio news, these little radio news things. It's with my Android service. And just to hear the insane amount of propaganda and fear, it really helps me to kind of think from their perspective. Cause if you're someone that believes that, and you see Dr. Fauci as an authority or the talking head on MSNBC as an an authority, then you're going to be freaked out. You know, do you ever reflect on that and just kind of take a step back and think about it from someone else's perspective?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a constant process. Like I said, there's days I, I just get really angry when I see, for example, parents with Two, three-year-olds with masks on—they're not even wearing the mask. I'm just like—I'm I'm trying to figure this out. Like, how could—and yet I know they don't know, and that they're not doing it intentionally. Uh, but I know there's still some level of choice involved, and it's still the whole thing gets me rather upset. At least I feel gaslit. Still, I don't feel that will ever be normal for me. And the moment it becomes normal, I'm contributing to this spiraling out of control. So, then there's that other side, which is what you're saying is that, yeah, actually, that's what we need more than anything. If someone is limbically activated, which, by the way, a mask will absolutely, through hypercapnia, activate the amygdala and cause all kinds of freaky reactions. Um, you want, like a child to be validated—that you're upset, right? That's what—that's what you need to hear. You're getting validated in your emotion, no matter what the story is. You need to be held in a space of compassion that enables that person uh, from you know to to not flail out and attack. And, and you know, we all need that. So that's where, where no matter who you are, it could be Fauci standing in front of me freaking out theoretically, I should be able to show up as a human and deliver that, you know, because the neocortex isn't going to hear anything mm-hmm. we have to say anyway, unless we get back to, you know, that that state. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, so there's this woman named Nova Ohm, who taught me a whole lot about spirituality she's willing to really into human design and just holding space i think is something that i was always in solutions mode and most of the time i am like with my children for example they're having a hard time they're breaking down about something and the first instinct that i have is just to go try to fix it or try to rationalize with them that it's going to be okay here's what we can do instead let's fix the toy but there's so much value in just pausing and holding space. Oh my God. I see you're, this is, yeah, I see you're struggling. Yeah. This is really hard, you know, to apply that to adults, you know, our fellow human beings, Uh, I think it's pretty beneficial.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can thank Kelly again because she's been on the journey of healing her own, you know, childhood wounds and all that years before me. And that's what we started to apply with our children. And it completely changes the game. Like if they're having a tantrum, I'm usually trying to like, No, but why are you feeling that way? That doesn't make sense. And like, totally wrong. And that's what we do to ourselves as adults, because we were never taught, like you said, how to be held and like, okay, you know, validating, let let them experience feelings. I mean, honestly, in the past few years, the most challenging work I've had as a man as an individual is to simply feel my feelings they can be terrifying you know like complete merger whatever it is it could be a mystical experience can feel like hell and and being consumed by the universe when if you just let go it's complete bliss it's just that people who have traumatized bodies you know i was my story is that i was an infant and they start you know injecting epinephrine into me and then for hundreds of times later to save my life from bronchial asthma probably caused from vaccination and uh Man, does that screw with you? Everything gets inverted and you just don't even know how to feel safe in your own body. You know what I mean? And that's a lot of us are walking around that way. That's why it's all about self-healing for me. Ultimately, it really goes down to if you want to take control of your health, your destiny, you have to prioritize that. And that's coming from someone who can't seem to shut up out there online. Thank God. Now now the universe said shut up, Sayer. We're deplatforming you entirely. So I guess that's a sign, you know, to shut up no
0: no not to shut up but you I mean you still got a pretty damn solid platform that's for sure one, one thing with when it comes to you know content producers it's it's all about getting a connection with the people directly so you don't have to rely on the facebook's and the youtube's um yes. I remember my parents, my dad especially would tell me, Don't cry, don't cry. Both my parents, not I mean, I love them to death. They're amazing. We're gonna go for a belated Mother's Day tonight. But it was so eye-opening to watch my parents interact with my children and then to be like, Oh, that's what they would say to me. No wonder it's so hard to connect. It's yeah. just that that yeah. awareness. Um how would you say mindfulness plays a role? One thing, I, I, I've been into success strategies and entrepreneurship and Tony Robbins and sure. uh, try to practice Buddhism as much as I can. And I realized that like I, w- I was reading all the books and I was, I was consuming it in my mind. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. Oh, I see the logic behind this. Oh, that's a great technique there. But then I would still go from zero to 60 when it comes to losing my temper or patience with my kids or with my ex-wife, especially. And it wasn't until I really started practicing the mindfulness that I was able to engage in like a pattern interrupt rather than just carrying out a program. Uh, Mm. Stephen Covey calls it being proactive in the seven habits of highly effective people, the space between stimulus and Mm. response. If we can, get into that space and be conscious in that space, we can have control over how we respond to any given stimulus. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And what do you think on the mindfulness? How important is that?
1: I I really like that. I mean, I feel like I should probably not even use the term mindfulness because I feel like the term has been co-opted just a bit. Um, But in the way we're using it now that it's totally neutral, it makes sense. So I, I like what you're saying. And I feel like one just simple concrete tip is breathing if you just are mindful of your breathing, right, then you can really ultimately start correcting, if you will, healing, governing your whole autonomic system. And that's key, I think, with again trauma. Like you mentioned, your parents and the way that they parent. And I totally get it because my father, for example, was, you know, in the Korean War, you know, as a little child. And just when you're dealing with the generations that dealt with those wars, to survive, you had to suppress your emotions you couldn't we wouldn't be here if they hadn't done it so there's a way of understanding why our parents are so effed up so to speak and us by implication because we had to hold the baggage of shit that they somaticized didn't even know were in their body and now it's on it's sort of unwinding i think in our generation um so yeah so no i really like that idea of mindfulness and focusing on the breath
0: <laughs> do you do a lot of meditation practice
1: yeah, I mean, I wake up, the first thing I do is meditation. Um, just basic mantra, breathing, you know, that helps me. It's not so much that the mantras themselves I'm I'm sort of using. It's more of my mind is so active that if I can just do that and synchronize my breath and sound, then I start to get real insight, you know, at a higher level. Um, and that always helps me. So sometimes I'll go back so- several times a day, you know, the more messed up my day gets, the more I know I'm not, you know, my center, so to speak. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I need to, I need to, there's been periods where I did the actual practice of it, but it's, it was never consistent and I could never go for very long. Mm. And I think one of the things that I'm doing that I need to work on, I'm, I'm kind of like, hiding from facing a lot of the pressure that i'm under and the Mm. big crazy stuff going on my family by just staying busy
1: Mm. Mm.
0: and i I know i pride myself in working so much like there's some weeks when i don't have the kiddos i do week on week off and the weeks i don't have the kids i'll put in like 60 hours and i'm like haha 60 Mm. hours i'm so productive but then it's like but i'm not taking that time to reflect and to Mm. pause which is so which is so critical i need to make a habit out of it
1: well I totally identify with what you're saying. Yeah, because for me, too, it's like one thing I, I love working, meaning it's not even work, as you know, if anything, Cahill Gabran said, uh, work is love made visible. I've always used that quote, tried to just, exactly. you know, my my workaholism. But I, I tend to need to have ecstatic practices in my body, like if, if I go boxing, or if I run, then my mind can rest. So that's like the bridge for me. So I make sure I do something active every day, like, and that, and that helps a lot. Cause you know, just going right to trying to, you know, meditate, that's difficult, you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: one thing I noticed, so I sell kratom as part of my business, my Brave I'm drinking kratom right now yeah. <laughs> and it's great. It's just a plant medicine. It's super natural and organic. But one thing I notice is whenever I don't have kratom i feel my emotions more and i like rely on it in yes. order to you know help me get through the day give me an extra boost of energy and motivation especially when i get brain fog but i've noticed when i when it when i haven't had it in a while especially mm. if i take a break and i don't take it for a few days then i'm all of a sudden feeling and I'm like i'm I'm more emotional even when i'm watching like sappy movies or something i find myself mm. tearing up it's it's mm. it's wild i don't know It's just something that popped in yeah. my head But sometimes i'm I'm, when i feel stressed and i'm anxious about something then i turn to the kratom to help numb that
1: and i think that's what a lot
0: of people do in our society it's easier to numb the pain and kratom's not you know it's much more benign than alcohol or hard drugs but it's it goes back to that trauma-based society you were talking about
1: yeah no i mean i could totally identify with what you're talking about um in fact i created kratom database agreement info because you know for a while there they were trying to make it illegal when, you know, what, 50,000 people died that year of opioid yeah opioid cases, right? That's what made me so upset. That I was like, you know what, let's just get the data on Greenwood Info so people can see this is legit. But I was going to point out coffee, which I quit. I've been drinking for 12 years, okay? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then I had, uh, you know, uh, symptoms of flu after uh, about, what was it, two months of being off, like, which I feel was an example of why we misunderstand what influenza is or influenza-like disease. It's a detoxification mechanism. Yeah, it's extreme, but, you know, if we're coming off something and our body's finally dumping it, that's how you do it. Anyway, it has a fat-soluble oil called cathestral, which is found in even caffeine-free or decaffeinated coffee. And it has, at least in some of the studies, five times the opioid receptor agonist activity of morphine. So so many of the things we consume as just, a, you know, innocuous beverages. It could be, you know, hops and beer, which is the family. We're just self-medicating. We're yeah. stuffing feelings down, you know. That's what it is. And, you know, as I've evolved over the years to be more ascetic, emotions have come up and it's um yeah man it's not fun but once you (laughs) once you work with them i mean look you know what's like when your kid has a tantrum we have our own adult version of that it can take hours it's like torture to be patient while they try to work through their feelings as adults we don't tend to do that for ourselves i still don't you know what i mean so you know we've and we're providers that's the thing there are so many archetypes that are operative you know men and women obviously today but as a provider you can't get all stuck in your feelings you work you do your mission and you actually make a living to support your children so we we have a lot to bear so when you say you, you know you hold a lot i'm with you man i i do too you know
0: yeah and i always seem to take it out on my girlfriend (laughs) we're tied and it's rare but the the only times that i do raise my voice it seems to be on her and she's like so sweet and she's like why are you talking to me that way i don't deserve that (laughs) i know one thing that's good with relationships is always own your shit you know that's good with yourself too your personal relationship with yourself and try not to be too hard on yourself i think is a really big Thing. some people screw up and then they just beat themselves up and make it even worse rather than forgiving themselves and reflecting on
1: it I, I don't do enough of the owning my shit part like Kelly literally wrote a book called own yourself right nice. in a mind of your own I mean this woman is extremely independent but she takes massive responsibility for her stuff um so I I definitely can still work on that let me tell you right on <sighs> somebody's
0: watching uh, Allison says I'm a Christian. So some of the spirituality parts of the discussion don't resonate with me or they kind of do. But for me, I consider it in light of my relationship with Christ. Lots of good info here that I can apply like the mindfulness piece. Do you have any insight on because there's Christ consciousness, right? And a lot of the spiritual Eastern spiritual flow that we're talking about resonates with the true message of Jesus Christ, in my opinion. Can you riff on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I spent so many years just down this rabbit hole if you will i mean i studied eastern religion in college and went to a zen monastery afterwards for a bit to try to experience it because obviously the whole point is you're never going to find you know zen in a book on zen but <laughs> i you know the whole personal relationship to christ you know and other traditions like krishna it's so vitally important. And there's such a need for diversity in this space of spirituality. Now, I will say my main concern right now with the so-called New Age is the way that it's being co-opted by global organizations like the UN in order to induce a state of moral relativism. In fact, now I'm really seeing it clearly and it's disturbing me. And and that's why I'm almost like doubling down or back uh, in, in respect and honoring traditions like Christianity. Like I understand now better why you know they have often held you know the fort you know while everyone else is off like oh it's all good and love and blah 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 they're like wait there's a darkness here and there's satan opportunity mm. lately i mean even revelations is becoming so vivid <laughs> true right mark wow. of the beast, mark of the mask you know what i mean like yeah the whole you can't buy or sell without the mark i mean come on it's like right out of mit labs and bill gates playbook of what they're developing it's crazy wow. yeah yeah I
0: used to run this bookstore in Austin called Brave New Books. It was a, literally an underground bookstore. It was in a basement. And we did like <laughs> natural cool. health products, conspiracy, anarchist stuff. But we had this book called Jesus' Lost Years in India. And it talked about, I think, the years between 18 and 28 or some of the years in his life. There's not much mentioned at all, if anything, in the Bible, the Bible Bible. And there's a lot of historians and philosophers that believe he took that time to go study in India and get into this more eastern uh tradition with meditation and stuff and maybe that helped Mm. him in his ascendance right so i think there's a lot of overlap and a lot of people you know one thing that i see is people always see things as black and white and they get Mm. just so polarized when in reality there's a lot of nuances in the world and we shouldn't just be so hard-headed or expect everything to be so concrete, you know? I, mm. I think that's good to align with concrete principles, like first principles, like do no yeah. harm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Be kind and peaceful to one another. But, you know, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, weird stuff. And who knows in the end what's the best or what the truth is even? It's just a constant pursuit of truth.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a complex topic to talk about religion, you know? But I do, yeah, I have come to have greater appreciation for Christianity, I mean, obviously, we're not talking about King James Bible Christianity, but, you know, we're talking about the deeper and living message and reality of Christ and any, any master who spent their life loving and sacrificing for humanity, it's like, I have I feel very connected to that other side, if you will, with support, you know, I don't think that our support just comes through other bodies, meat suits on this planet that we have what our you know, it was sometimes called angelic support. And I know that that sometimes sounds new agey, but I believe that this is actually real. Like, and I've felt this and I've seen it operative and I can thank my life right now for the fact that logically I shouldn't be in such a good place, given, you know, what I see to be the attacks that are constantly levied against me and others in this space. And I'm still relatively protected, which I'm very grateful for.
0: Yeah, that's some sovereign stuff right there.
1: Mm hmm. Alice yeah and i mean you're asking all the questions john but man, you have so much to share and i just want to make sure that you have that opportunity because i know you this is your space like what is voluntarism or agorism or you know i'm even new to these terms so make sure yeah. to, you share your incredible depth of experience and knowledge with everyone
0: sure well yeah kick, i can talk about those topics there so Um, voluntarism essentially is just the idea that all human relationships should be voluntary and consensual. Mm. And it's a great foundational political philosophy, right? Because like even the word libertarians all loaded and it's Mm -hmm. libertarian party and people think libertarians, ooh, selfish, bad, um, I saw someone say like libertarians just they they think they're the same, but they think oppression should be private or something. It's like, no, that's not what libertarians think. But this term voluntarism, I think, is something that's foundational because it's easy to resonate with others on. Because it's like Mm -hmm. if you don't, if you what's the opposite of voluntarism, if you're not into voluntarism, then it means that you think that there should be some relationships that are non-consensual. Of course, everyone rejects like sexual, non-consensual relationships. Mm -hmm. And when it's like really obvious But why should the relationship that people have with governing authorities also be – why shouldn't it be non-consensual? Why shouldn't it be consensual, I should say, because it's definitely non-consensual. So that's what philosophy is all about. It's just a foundational thing. And then you can build whatever types of structures or institutions or social organizations on top of that so long as it's voluntary.
1: Wow. Can I just say, I mean, to me, that's profound because even right this moment when we're struggling globally with the reality that there is this experimental vaccine that even if you wanted informed consent, no one can have it because there isn't actually information available through the clinical trials, which in the case of the Pfizer vaccine doesn't end till spring of 2023. So like everyone's enrolled in this medical experiment. No one knows about the Nuremberg Code of Medical Ethics, but literally, you can't have volunteerism in that context. Like, and, and, and so what I'm saying is like, never before has this concept of consent, freedom to choose what happens to or within your body been more important. And you could erect an entire third, you know, or fourth or fifth political grassroots movement around just this first principle, I guess.
0: Well, it's happening. It's great to see. I mean, there's always been anarchists, right? But a lot of anarchists were traditionally more left-leaning anarchists and like anti-capitalists. And a lot of that seemed to be about destruction, tearing something down, Mm. overthrowing, smashing the state, anti-capitalism, and even in its name. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the libertarian tradition it, you know it's friendly with business, not like big business or coercive business, but like free markets and people being able to voluntarily exchange goods and services for their own personal benefit. And then the good Dr. Ron Paul, who uh, ran for president in 2007, 2008, also in like 88 as a libertarian, and then he ran again in 2012. He really ignited and brought folks out of the woodwork because people like myself were like, okay, I have these ideas. I think we shouldn't hurt each other. We shouldn't aggress upon one another. And then this cool old man came out and like was throwing all these haymakers and speaking yeah. about it so succinctly. <laughs> and that really pulled together this whole grassroots movement. Yeah. And so it's been really cool to see and actually to play a role in helping this movement evolve. Cause me and my ex-wife were onto the voluntarist aggress thing early on. In fact, I, I didn't want to do the 2012 Ron Paul campaign because by then I was like, politics is a freaking joke. But this whole movement has evolved and now the whole voluntarist element is a huge factor in this modern Western libertarian movement. And now there's huge conferences with 5, 10, 20,000 people, crypto anarchists, yeah, voluntarists yeah. all over. So it, it literally is is turning into a force to be reckoned with. And then cryptocurrency came along and a lot of voluntarists got in crypto early and yes. now we have multi-millionaire crypto folks that are throwing all their money back into the cause i think it's right. going to be a change in
1: in history man i'm encouraged i mean that's why again when i first heard you speak and the greater reset by the way kelly uh said it was the best um summit she's ever watched and it was like entirely wow. free right you guys didn't even make it available to sell right it wasn't totally free. that's such an example of of this isn't just some gimmick you know to monetize activism. It's actually just, you know, getting it out there to the people that need it while the Davos folks eat fava beans and drink the you know? Yeah. Anyway.
0: <laughs> 200 $200,000 membership or whatever, 20,000 to
1: be a part of it. Yeah. So that's, wow, that's profound. As far as crypto, that's another topic we were going to touch on, right? Like uh, yeah. the shadow and the light side, because there's almost like this like epic you know, dialogue and, you know, antagonism around the, the view that it's only bad. And then there are those, it's like, it's mostly good. I'm like right there on the razor's edge, just poised waiting to see what humanity does with it. But I, I'm right there in the middle.
0: Yeah. And the beauty is when we are, this is something that Derek bro said that was, was really badass. and it's like, okay, so cryptocurrency blockchain technology, it's a tool. And just like a firearm or the internet, for example, these tools can be used for good, for liberation, for privacy, to fend off attackers, to engage in commerce across borders without being shut down or told how to use your wealth or your money. Mm -hmm. And it can also be used for some pretty dark, sinister technocracy panopticon type stuff. And what Derek pointed out is like, we are the people that get to choose which path wins out in the end, you know, yeah. and a lot of people just feel disempowered and overwhelmed. I mean, look at what we're facing. The World Economic Forum is made up of, of multi-billionaire oligarchs, and they have an intergenerational plan that they've been plotting for literally literally centuries, right? And they keep yeah. the dream alive through their bloodline. Look at the Rockefellers, for example, and they all these yeah. secret society roundtable groups, But it's like they – one thing that always gives me optimism is the enemies of liberty and the dark forces, they have to utilize deception and deceit and manipulation in order to bring their agenda forward, whereas our position is the natural default state of life. It's harmony. It's freedom, it's choice, it's love and light, you know. And if wow. we can just come back to that and and resonate with that and and push it outward into the world, then I think you know we have some good chances.
1: That's beautiful, man. Really, um, I agree. You know, the billionaire, z- trillionaire, zillionaire classes are a couple handfuls relative to the majority, and having nature on one side for me. Lately, I've realized that when I get kind of too consumed into this technocratic space that we're even leveraging now to try to get some of these seeds of truth out, I have to plug back into nature and get connected again to the rhythm of my social group in order to not get pulled out of my body into this realm. And again, with the nascent uh, deep fakes, right, and all the technology that's about to be rolled out pretty soon, even... Getting the truth out on the Internet is going to be very difficult because they can just manipulate pretty much and create as many false flags just digitally as they like, you know, maybe with our faces on them. I mean, that's really what's about to unfortunately roll out. So um, I believe in decentralized alternatives to the primary tools that we're using right now. And I know you, you've you probably mentioned a few. I, I'm a big advocate of Cordal because I, I see them as being totally dedicated to this philosophically and not trying to produce this like a Wall Street 2.0 feeding frenzy. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. there's a lot. Like, I've, I've been involved in crypto since 2012, 2013. And early on, there was a lot more idealism, and it was the wild, wild west, which I prefer. It was like total anarchy. And then as the establishment started to catch on and not only see the threat that cryptocurrency posed to their control but also see the opportunity that they could leverage the blockchain technology in order to create more control and surveillance. Because mm-hmm. blockchain is a tool. It's a, an incredibly efficient database, essentially, is what a, bl- a blockchain is. It's like a ledger. It's a place to store information. But the way that it it operates in this decentralized manner enables the easy collection of information, the easy access of that information. And then you can do smart contracts and all sorts of tech on top of that. And so that can be used for good to create a distributed consensus-based mechanism where we don't have to rely or trust a third party, like a government or a bank or visa, for example. But it can also be used for bad where They want to get everyone onto a blockchain-based identity card, and then they want to use tokens that are sent Mm -hmm. to your blockchain identity to grant you access to this, that, or the other. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can leverage the very technology that people are afraid of. They're like, blockchain's the mark of the beast system. And, of course, the mark of the beast, you mentioned revelations earlier. It's like the beast controls what you can buy and whether or not you can do commerce. And we mm-hmm. see that already taking place in China with the social credit score.
1: Oh, and masks and vaccines are starting to roll out here with that crap. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they're going to use like the immunity passport blockchain base ID would be perfect application for that. But the irony is the very people that are afraid of blockchain technology because they rightfully recognize the mm-hmm. pitfalls of it. They're failing to recognize that it's decentralized privacy enabling blockchain technology like Monero or private chain, that's the technology that precisely can free them from that mark of the beast system. So it's just a weird paradox.
1: Well, what helped me was, I mean, there's some very basic uh, videos out there that describe the difference between a private and a public blockchain and, and everything in between. So there's literally thousands of blockchains, obviously. Some are being used to produce a new fiat digital currency like, you know, XRP is a good example. And, you know, of course, central bank backed um, digital currencies are coming world coin digital currencies as well. And and they're basically surveillance technologies that are weaponized in the sense that if you now have your identity and your uh, vaccine uh, record and your money tied together, like for example, there'll be a cyber pandemic scare, which we're already seeing with this supposed ransomware attack, where they now will require you also show that uh, identity to access the internet. Like so they can program the money and change it in real time down to infinitesimal control. So you can only buy cabbages, you know, if your you know BMI went up a little bit. Like this is this is beyond the social credits system they've rolled out in China. This is infinitesimal control. It's a type of hell that no, no one has ever seen on this planet yet. And, and that is actually why people like Alison McDowell, who I have great respect for, um, have, have really kind of decided that all blockchain is bad. And that's that's where I diverge. And I feel because there are projects that are truly decentralized and that are run by people that are dedicated to this movement of volunteerism. Now that you've given me that term, it makes so much sense. You know, for example, like Cordell has a QChat function where there's an unconfirmed transaction on the blockchain that no one apparently can get the data of. It's just peer-to-peer. And the peer-to-peer transfer of information and value is what this is all about. You don't need the permission of a third party or the trust of a state or, you know, a bank. And that's revolutionary so i hope that that conversation continues and we we definitely acknowledge the dark side which is operative and also acknowledge that it may be the ticket to freedom as well especially i'll say with mesh networks where you don't even have to re- rely on the existing yeah. internet um substrate the, the technological substrate
0: yeah, we talked a lot about Web3. We did so part of the greater reset. We did the decentralized, distributed, and disruptive technology summit. People can see the recap at a d3techsummit.com. And we talked about D, uh, the uh, Web3 or the decentralized Web, which is like it's just the people, you know, if there's a will, there's a way, and the human spirit is just so awesome. So I strongly encourage folks. I- I've been pointing out lately there's a massive transfer of wealth that's taking place right now. And we get to choose, are we going to be on the receiving end of that wealth transfer? Or are we going to be on the victimized end where the inflation tax and all the printing of money is taking from us in order to set up this Panopticon society? I just want to invite folks that are watching. I'm hosting a two-day workshop. It's called Demystifying Cryptocurrency, How to Safely Buy, Securely Hold, and Quickly Multiply Your Cryptocurrency. So, I've been in space for a while and it's it can be confusing and overwhelming. And we are going to present a foundational knowledge of how it works, why it's valuable. We're going to talk about how to acquire it. We're going to spend a considerable amount of time talking about how to get cryptocurrency privately without tying it to your identity and then how to transact privately. Mm. And then um, Matt McKibben, a good friend of mine, also a voluntarist and a crypto guy, he's going to talk about decentralized finance. Because there's all these decentralized institutions now that allow you to borrow money or you take some of your wealth and you put it up as collateral and then you can get loans for no interest. It's really going to render these nightmare banks obsolete. And then uh, Ramiro Romani, who's co-producer of The Great Reset, he's going to do a whole bit on Internet privacy. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, VPNs, covering your trail on the Internet, encrypted messaging and text and email. So People can check that out at CryptoAndPrivacy.com, CryptoAndPrivacy.com. I really think that we are the ones that get to choose how cryptocurrency affects us. We can either use it to create more freedom, to create wealth, to protect wealth, to create decentralized institutions and social organizations that can't be turned off or shut down, or we can be victims to it and just be afraid and and freak out. So I want to help empower people with the knowledge so they can be part of the former group where we leverage this technology for our own good and for the good of, of humanity.
1: What's the URL for that so I can post that?
0: Cryptoandprivacy.com. Cryptoandprivacy.com. And then earlier I did D3 Tech Summit. Yeah, I did uh, that, one that, that would... too.
1: Yeah, right on. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love this concept of really <laughs> the new you know world reserve asset slash currency being bitcoin and i know there will be other stores of values like it down the road that i feel i could trust ethereum isn't one of them because you're seeing platforms like BlockFi, etc that are now allowing you to use as collateral to get a fiat loan it is defined by the sec you know as an irs's property so it's no tax event that so you don't have to liquefy your your bitcoin get taxed you know in order to get that fiat Over time, theoretically, if Bitcoin continues to appreciate, which I think it will, then it's almost like it's paying for that um, fiat loan for free. Yeah. And then with yield farming, it just having another platform hold it, assuming you're willing to give up custody and trust the platform won't go under or seize your Bitcoin, then you can get, you know, 6% interest on it or more. And so it's already totally transforming the landscape of wealth preservation and creation. Um, and I think we're—I mean, I think the CPI went up to four percent, and that is already heavily manipulated. Yeah. And Michael Saylor thinks the cost of capital is something like twenty percent a year, which means your debasement of your purchasing power of the dollar is every year you're losing twenty-five percent, which is insane hemorrhaging of value and a hidden tax. It's it, there's so much, unfortunately, happening that won't be reported on the mainstream when it comes to inflation you know and the death of the the dollar if you will
0: yeah it's like there's a it's kind of like we're experiencing a society in decay right um i'm here in the west and i spent most of my time in the united states i've traveled abroad but i i, I want to go out and get out more and spend time considerably in other countries for a while right hopefully you know, I'm, I've am i been thinking like, I need to mat- make cr- massive wealth so I can fly private because I'm not going to be doing any vaccines or anything. We mm-hmm. may have to like illegally immigrate into Europe to take the kids to see the Eiffel Tower or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm seeing now that there's all this economic calamity and there's, and now we have people that are being incentivized not to work. And apparently there's this employment problem where like we went to a restaurant for my sister's birthday and they were short-staffed. And it's like, everything's opened up here in Texas again after the stupid lockdowns, but there's people that are getting paid more money to sit at home by the government than they are to go be productive. And so I think now more than ever, it's really important for us to, to go out there and provide value and to support one another. And, you know, maybe we could spend a little bit of time talking about what building the alternative looks like right because a lot of your websites focused on building the alternative and providing alternative knowledge when it comes to health and naturopathic doctors and avoiding this allopathic paradigm but there's like we talked about cryptocurrency the alternative when it comes to finance and communication we got the health we have uh, the freedom cell network is building actual social organizations where we can collaborate and work together how important do you think it is that now that we really lean into building the new paradigm, essentially creation. I put criticize, I put create rather than criticize in the, in the little headline here, the subject. What do you think? What do you think about it? I mean,
1: it is the ultimate purpose right now because it is actually fundamentally what health is all about. Like getting to the root of dis ease. I know it's been said a thousand times, but it's true spiritually at this point when you, flip your perspective into solutions it puts your whole being at at ease and and right now i mean yeah it's it's pretty scary in terms of what what is happening if you're really taking the pulse and you're reading between the lines of the mainstream media propaganda which is 99.9 percent psyop at this point as far as i'm concerned i mean that's how i read the news i'm like oh they want us to focus there then oh i imagine this is what's actually happening (laughs) you know as i know i know you feel the same or close to that. So yeah, I think actually, by the way, that the, the people who are no longer going to those jobs that they formerly apparently felt they had to, some of them have invested in crypto and they're seeing such insane gains. They, they just can't, like, okay, conventional, <laughs> right? Savings account, 0.0125% interest, Nothing. right? For BlockFi, 6% yield, it's like 600 times higher return on your investment. And that's the thing. Negative interest rates have already hit the United States. So the system is literally already in its death row spasms foaming at the mouth. And crypto is, I think, one reason. Like some people took their STEMI checks and rightfully put it into crypto. Not to say that there isn't a bunch of crap out there and that you could totally lose your shirt. You can. Um, But second also is that um, I think people have found ways to make Money online, obviously. Even Klaus Schwab is suggesting that in its fourth industrial revolution, that's where it's all going, and it's true. So, definitely things have changed profoundly. But to your point around focusing on creating, to me, a good portion of it has to do with what we're doing now. But I'm telling you, like, I'm in a place where I, and I say specifically where it is too much, because honestly, at this point, I'd like to stay a little bit anonymous. Uh, but There is amazing people creating community in real time, engaging ancient practices of just connecting, dancing, singing, you know, talking like to me and sharing, like sharing value, identifying what your value is and then trading with someone else. So you don't even need freaking money or crypto. That is the future, too regenerative agriculture. I mean, we had chickens pecking away at our doors constantly here and started laying eggs. I mean, that is just incredible. And to see our, have our children experience that is like better than any private school could ever give them. So the point I guess is that, yeah, I'm with you, man. In fact, that's why the greater reset, I think everyone should check it out. And this is perpetual. You guys keep on rolling out new, better content, which I, again, I want everyone to know about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the greater reset is all about. It's we, we have this great reset thing. It's all scary and a pretty big deal and it's advancing at breakneck speed, but it presents an opportunity to counter that with a, with a new paradigm. I remember, um, as COVID was starting in early 2020, I did a YouTube video and it was like how COVID-19 presents an opportunity for us to change the way we live and to create these new institutions. And it's like, You know, Lord knows that this new normal idea is being advanced. And so I didn't like the way things were going with the old normal, right? (laughs) Um, I certainly don't like the way things are going with the new normal. So it's up to each and every one of us to play an active role in creating our own new paradigm and like to really step into our power and recognize that we don't have to be passive pawns on a grand chessboard. We can be in control of our lives. And if enough of us recognize that and truly step into our power, then we can shift. I think this course is already shifting. I always say like, we can do this and this is going to happen. But it's like, it's already happening right now. And the decentralized technology, the, the uniting of, of all these different people, the conversation that we're having right now, like there's a lot of really beautiful stuff happening and we just need more people to help accelerate all of that.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think that that's the key. I mean, you you nailed it. And um, yeah, I mean, as you work on yourself and you find that inner wealth and that that feeling of being full, that's truly, you know, you just experiencing our true nature, which is a beautiful thing. Honestly, that's, that's, that's where things really start to accelerate. I think, you know, that's my experience.
0: You think you can give us a teaser of what you're going to be talking about in your talk? I know you and Kelly did a talk last time. People can check that out at the greater our Odyssey channel. Y'all are doing it separate now. Yeah. You got any any uh, insight on what we can expect coming up May 24th through the 28th?
1: Well, I know for me, because I wrote a book in the window of uh, the mm-hmm. pandemic where literally it was released when every store apparently on the planet was shut, which was just so poetic. It was (laughs) just just a seed. I mean, it just is regenerative seed. It still did incredibly well. Like it's, I've had so much great feedback on this book and there were chapters in there that were speaking to this new world that you're referring to where we can literally understand that there's alchemy occurring within the body, you know, in, in, in the sense of, violating you know conventional thermodynamics and you know transforming water into light and matter i mean this stuff is happening in our body constantly and and i was just so excited to to talk about that just this window just took took everyone by storm where we're just so focused on this insanity that they had planned right for so long push the button on it and here we are and now it's time for us to you know truly I mean, I'll use a new age phrase or astrology phrase, but, but enter the Aquarian age. You know, that's where sure. I really feel like that's what's happening. And it's supposed to be ruled by high technology and communication and humanitarian aspirations. So it's, you know, they sort of nailed those associations in astrology somehow. But but that's kind of what's going on. And I'm using the biophysics to explain that, wow, this is happening constantly. And it's extremely encouraging when it comes to the allopathic nightmare of we're supposed to be afraid of sub microscopic particles and shut the whole world down and never be human again because we're afraid that someone might cough on us <sighs> Ooh, a freaking break it's the most asinine thing ever devised that they have captured the world with this this absurd absurd misrepresentation of biology
0: wow yeah that's i was just thinking uh This is the dawning of the air. I love that song. Yes, Uh, Yeah, it is asinine and like people aren't hugging and you can't see your grandparents and families are being torn apart and stuff. And it's just like such a damn shame. And then if that wasn't enough, now we have the paradigm where like some people in my circles were like, they weren't going to go visit their parents on Mother's Day because the parents got the vaccine and stuff. And I'm like, man, we just can't, we can't buy into that. And just like with covid It's always funny with COVID because people are like, it was never isolated. There is no virus. But then it's like, I don't know. There were people that got sick and people that got sick within my circle and family. And it was this unique kind of sickness with chest tightness and the lack of breathing. So whatever. But at the end of the day, the solution is always just to be as healthy as you can be, no matter what. Like Mm -hmm. there's 40% of the population is vaccinated. It's going to be hard for me to avoid 40% of the population, especially when some of them are my family members, and I don't want to avoid my family members. I don't want to avoid the general population or my old high school buddies or whatever. So what do we do then? We get freaking healthy, as healthy as we can be.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's the key. Um, I just want to address a comment because this is a good one by this guy, Huckleberry Finn. Finny. I noticed that one too. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought this up because that is actually happening. The UN shifted gears with their language around the sustainable goals, you know, so that now they're talking as if regeneration is everything, right? And you're seeing that infiltrate, you know, legitimate movements to try to heal the biosphere going back to, you know, permaculture and biodynamics and just the way things work is that there is a superfluity, if you will, to the universe would you get more than you put in. That's the mystery. That's what we are. We're constantly exploding into these meat suits out of nothing, literally out of zero point energy. That's my understanding. Like we are literally programmable matter from light and, you know, the quantum vacuum constantly just iterating. So anyway, but the UN is trying to take that over and they're infiltrating. And so anyway, I agree that there's definitely uh, caution now because um, supposedly the UN is all about my book and Greenman Info and what we're talking about here, but it's not really true. And actually, Klaus Schwab, too, and I read his whole book, The Great Reset, COVID-19. In the last chapter, he's talking all about regeneration and health and wellness. And I mean, it's just amazing, the, the forked tongue infiltration of this movement.
0: Yeah, you got to be careful because it's they've definitely infected and infiltrated the cryptocurrency world in large part. And now with the regenerative agriculture. But I would say like my thought when I saw that there out of the corner of my eye, (laughs) sometimes the comments I'm like looking at them, but it's distracting me. But I'm like, no, let's we need to interact. This is good stuff. Um, It's like, okay, so what if they use that term? We use it, too. And we're going to use it better, you know, and we're using it truthfully without some sort of deceit. And that brings up another point as well. You know, there are sinister, diabolical, you know, Dr. Evil type $1 million, Dr. (laughs) Evil type folks. I think Klaus Schwab is one of them. Uh, (laughs) David Rockefeller was most definitely one of them. Right. Bill Gates is a little snake. Right. But, you know, there's some people that are involved in the World Economic Forum that probably generally think genuinely think that they're doing good. They just are using the wrong means to achieve a desirable end, in my opinion. And I think that we all need to be conscious and we also especially need to be reflective to make sure that we're not getting taken
1: down that road as well. I really like what you're saying because I just went ahead and did it. You know what I mean? Like I'm under attack rhetorically by this organization called the Center for Countering Digital Hate. And it's so effective in so many ways when they like publish a hit list and it's like they're lining you up and they're gonna just take you out. In fact, the CEO said that I kill people because I he literally said that I'm I'm a killer of people because I spread information about vaccines having risks. So so when you're you're being attacked that way, it's hard not to want to get defensive or aggressive back. So but that's not really helping, honestly. Um, real quick, uh, point here. this is funny to me, okay. Huckleberry, I agree that symbols are constantly being used to manipulate us, okay, especially in Hollywood. But I, I want to point out to you that, like, for me, what's interesting is that there is this thing called a beehive and they form this hexagonal shape it's strong, me, that is the symbol, right? So, for anyone to use a symbol that comes from nature in that way, I don't know if the question is like, wow, are you part of some kind of cabal? That's Um, what it is. It is really. And I mean, I don't blame you for being suspicious, but honestly, like when it comes to beehive symbolism, I don't really see how you can extract much nefarious energy from that. Um, And then someone did ask about the book, so I'm just gonna post a- Yeah,
0: plug the book, let's hear about it.
1: Well, especially with Indie Bound, because Amazon obviously rules the world at this point, thanks to us giving it all of our capital and energy. But IndieBound enables you to look up your local bookstore and try to d- support them. So you can get the book there, but it's called oh, wow. Regenerate. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that, you know? And so anyway, Regenerate, I don't even wanna talk about my book, honestly, but it's just unlocking- Just give us a
0: little uh, elevator pitch.
1: Unlocking your radical resilience um, through the new biology. And so the intention is to help people understand what has happened over the past 20 years, which is there has been this like renaissance of information about how the body actually works that totally runs diametrically opposed to the concept that we're just, you know, gene based, you know, chaotically run meat suits. Like that whole concept that allopathy requires that you need to be fixed, you're gonna break down easily. That's just completely been bulldozed by the the evidence and there's something far more beautiful there beneath that I spent you know a good portion of that book writing about. So I, I find people find it very inspiring. It gets kind of technical in places. There's a whole chapter on understanding cancer, especially looking at overdiagnosis and overtreatment and the use of radiation and chemo as being completely outdated. So I mean, it's you know, it's just my life's work. Uh, but I do think that for those who are interested, it, it's probably going to be somewhat helpful especially in this day and age when everyone is meant to believe that we're supposed to cower in our homes as if there's an active shooter outside, which by the way, with the UN tanks and the uh, you know like National Guard being called, it's not actually that untrue because a, a sub-microscopic particle might be there from Wuhan, China, floated out there somehow, even though it has no intrinsic motive force to go from point A to point B. It's an obligate parasite, which is even a misnomer because that implies agency. It's guys, come on. This is this is absurd. It's absurd. Not to say that people don't get sick, and I go in depth on how understanding the body's microvesicles explains how contagion makes a lot more sense. And that obviously people can die from what looks like an infection. So I'm not saying that isn't true. I'm not even saying that gain of research, uh, gain of function research hasn't happened. And and absolutely, they can put poisons along with biologicals together which is what vaccines are essentially and make people sick from them so but of course they're going to label that as COVID they're never going to identify it as a cause uh, effect from a vaccine so you know how it goes yeah
0: but, who knows what to expect with all of the ramifications from the current vaccine push It's pretty frightening too. just I I quickly realized with the COVID stuff like, oh, a lot of this is a giant marketing campaign for this damn vaccine. Wow. (laughs) They're really driving it home. Well, I'm going to have to get your book myself. I really appreciate. Just from what I've heard, I, I bet it's total badass. Um, congrats too Thanks. on writing a book. I'm always like, I need to write a book. I got a lot of stuff to mm-hmm. say, but I just never go through and do it. That's the creation that we were talking about. So I know that's a well, big undertaking.
1: It's just timing, brother. Like, I mean, I didn't start writing a book till I was like 44, and it took three years, and I almost wow. did do it because I'm so used to writing like an article and just putting it out into the universe. And it was so hard to try to delay. Mm -hmm. I didn't put a chapter in on vaccines or germ theory, which, I, you know, then I had to make up for that this past year. But, um, you know, it's you're young, right? Like, what's your age? Thirty six relative to me that you're young. So that's good. So you're just you know, you're you just have so much to contribute and it's going to be exciting. You know, when you do write a book,
0: I'll I'll wait for the next lockdown to happen.
1: (laughs) Well, hopefully it won't be in a Gulag, Archipelago Gulag or something. Maybe it'll hopefully just be at our homes, right?
0: Well, yeah. Hopefully we're in it together so we can hang out. Yeah.
1: We'll have the same bunker at the FEMA camp.
0: <laughs> um, cool, cool. All right. Well, I try to do these for about an hour, so we're, we're right about there. Um, you know, one thing I just want to part with, too, like the – What's your feelings on eco villages and the importance of building intentional communities? Because I thought about what the lockdowns, it's another thing I thought for folks that are concerned about being around the general population that's all vaccinated. Like, it seems like if you're genuinely concerned with that, like, let's build our own thing. You know, I'm all about having my foot in the door of mainstream society and I'm raising my kids to be as sovereign as possible, but I still want them to be able to sit down at a business meeting and to, you know, understand how to interact with the general world. But at the same time. I want them to reject arbitrary authority. I want them to be entrepreneurs, so on and so forth. So I, I like there's just such a there's so much value, I think, in acquiring land and then building our own little mini societies, little eco-villages. And then the way that we can kind of take our power back and protect one another is to create a confederation of eco-villages and intentional communities where we have trade routes, mutual defense compacts. And in some ways, if things continue on the path with this division and the masses just being so Mm -hmm. brainwashed in many ways, not to say that I know it all, right? Because we're brainwashed in our own ways and we need to Mm -hmm. consciously be aware of that. But like, this seems like a path that is a practical path towards a better way of life.
1: Amen. I say as many as possible. Listen, since this whole thing dropped eerily, you know, like, Kelly and I were just kind of like, not in shock. We were just like, we, we were prepared for this. When we met before that, we knew the world was going to eventually execute this type of plan. And that's why we ended up living together, you know, because we we met when we were, you know, totally way far from each other. Um, we almost kind of anticipated this whole flight thing. And well, anyone who saw what happened in 9-11 and realized what the TSA is. And anyway, so... It's so important, but we almost decided to go find a place in Costa Rica. You know, Stephen Brooks out there with his yeah. EcoVia is amazing. You know, interestingly, they shut their yoga shala down with like, you know, because they the COVID thing was real for them. And again, we're just not on that wavelength. Like, But um, I really respect him. And we almost got a place here. Now we're working with some people that do have land here and we are developing that. And that's cool. so important. And I think, like you said, it's like a mycelium it's just going to create this new field and i love what you're saying like mutual defense contracts or compacts that's such a great language because you know you get this like the media likes to project militias and you know the freedom people are crazy and you know the reality is that we need all of those things covered and i i just again i think that what you're doing and derek and the even language you're introducing is going to be so helpful in making this accessible to people so I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. I'm glad we did this and you know, I really encourage everyone who follows uh me and, and our work to visit, you know, your sites and your projects so that, you know, we can get further empowered and yeah. solution oriented.
0: Yeah, for sure. We're yeah, we are deeply honored to have you and Kelly participating in the Greater Reset 2. We uh we were quick to invite you back after the first one. You're definitely a crowd pleaser and I really present i really appreciate what you guys had to say in fact the first time around we had a day kind of on health and education and you guys brought this spiritual element and the self-reflective element so we're gonna have that a lot more on the first day of our of our event because it really is like you've mentioned multiple times in this in this talk it's foundational to get balance internal both mm. physical body, our little vessel, or what do you call it, A meat meat body meat <laughs> or <whatever. laughs> that's, <just> so, <laughs> that's how they see it. Yeah. And so with scene. that mm-hmm. and with our mind, you know, and our spirit and our soul. And so we're super excited to have you guys again um being a part of this because I think you. You know, it's, the sky's the limit. Beautiful.
1: Beautiful. Thanks for having me. And yeah. Uh, look forward you're to further collaboration up. and meeting you in 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 our meat suit someday. <laughs> in in the right. <laughs> That's right.
0: All right. Best of luck to you. Peace and freedom and and much love. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We're going to end the broadcast. Good night. We love you.